0: You're listening to the Creating a Brand podcast, where we deliver weekly interviews on topics to help entrepreneurs make their first or next step in business the right one. I am your host, Alex Sanfilippo. If you've been told that it takes 10,000 hours to get ahead in any industry, job, or even entrepreneurial venture, you may have been misled. In this episode, I'm bring back James Altucher. If you missed last week's episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. James is an angel investor, author, stand-up comedian, podcaster, and chess master, just to name a few of the things that he has done. And we are talking through his book titled Skip the Line, which explains that we can reach our goals faster if we continuously experiment and develop creative ideas that serve a purpose. For links to resources that will be mentioned during this episode, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 099. And now let's not wait any longer. Here is my continued conversation with my friend, James Altucher, about skipping the line. James, welcome back to the Creating a Brand podcast. I am loving this conversation about how entrepreneurs can skip
1: the line. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate it. I'm, I, I, this, this means a lot to me that, that you're on and you're helping me support this message I'm trying to get out.
0: Absolutely, man. You're the only person I've ever done a back-to-back episode with, so I'm I'm really excited to continue this conversation. And to dive straight into it, I want to get deeper into this idea of practicing creativity, starting with your concept that you refer to as the spoke and wheel, which you've also called how to monetize anything. To provide a quick overview for the listeners, and then I'll turn it over to you, the wheel in this concept is the industry or overarching topic And the spokes of that wheel are the different things that you can do within that industry to monetize or to be able to get ahead a little bit quicker. I'd love to hear you expand on this and talk about how it relates to entrepreneurship.
1: I always encourage people when they're interested in something, think of the spokes first. Like I'm talking to this one guy who um, is telling me some problems in the restaurant industry post-pandemic. It's hard to hire people because you know, you're, no one wants to trust the restaurants could get shut down tomorrow. It's hard to—nobody um, really connects their reservation system with their order system because there's data in there. You know, The more data you have, the more power you have, the more money you could potentially make from your customers. If you know a customer likes a certain wine— you could figure out what upsells you could you could sell him and you can also offer a, a, a dessert that goes with that wine or whatever. So, and I'm like, this is really valuable stuff. What, uh, you know, and he, he told me he'd been working in the restaurant industry for 15 years. He's 30 years old. He's been working in the restaurant industry since he was 15, left college. That's all he's been doing. He's done every job in a restaurant. And he said, well, I said, well, what are you thinking of doing with this? And he's like, well, I want to own a restaurant. That's my, of course, that's what I'm going to do. I want to own a restaurant. And I'm like, you know, There's other things you could do with this. Like what are, why don't you list some of the other things? And so we came up with obviously a new kind of software for a reservation system, new kind of software for, uh, an ordering system, um, uh, figure out better techniques for, for staffing, maybe create like a Craigslist type of thing for restaurant employees so that, you know, you always get the latest openings. Uh, you can create a high-end newsletter for restaurant owners about best practices in the restaurant industry you know, post pandemic, you never know. It might be a good idea. It might be a bad idea. It's okay to come up with bad ideas. You should, if you're not coming up with bad ideas, you're not coming up with enough ideas. Yeah. And so now this guy is pursuing all these things. He's got permission from a couple of restaurant owners to start trying out some of these ideas manually and he'll see what works and as an experiment. So this is, this is great. That's what you should do. Uh. And, and, you know, here, here's another quick example, which is a combination of, the possibility muscle at work and also experimenting and also completely switching careers to something you love midlife. So this guy I know in his forties, um, was a bond trader for JP Morgan. He's been doing it his whole life for his whole adult life. And, um, but he loves sports as a kid, he loves sports. And that was his only passion still is. And so, but he has a lot of knowledge now. He's been doing bond trading and finance stuff for 20 years so during the pandemic, he had some free time because he was working from home and he decided, well, what if I write every day uh, some story about the connect intersection between sports and finance? Like, here's an example. Um, uh, after the Super Bowl, the guy who sang at the Super Bowl, uh, it's a singer named The Weeknd. Why did that guy not take any pay for doing the Super Bowl halftime in front of a billion people? And not only that, he used $7 million of his personal money to produce the Super Bowl halftime show. So this guy I know, he broke down the economics of the halftime show. What what did Beyoncé do the year before? What did Maroon 5 do the year before? What were their economics? And it was, I have zero interest in sports, but that was a fascinating article. And so he started a newsletter five days a week. He puts out stories like this. And now he has, eight months later, he has 27,000 subscribers and... He quit his job at J.P. Morgan because he's making a better living doing this This newsletter. It's called Huddle Up. The guy's Joe Pompliano. And that he, now he's going to do it for the rest of his life. He's going to do something he loves. He loves doing this. He writes these articles five days a week. He's the. He wasn't the best at sports. He might not have been the best at finance. He might not have been the best at writing. But combining all these things, he's like the best in the world at sports finance. I mean, I, he created the category. So... That's that that kind those kind of stories I really love, and that's what's possible for everyone. Sports was the wheel; that's his passion. He knew he wasn't going to be a professional athlete, and he looked at the other spoke potentials. But this was the spoke he settled on, and now he makes a great living. I love this, and you know, this kind of goes back
0: to something I wanted to mention and have you talk about for a minute. You have to flex this idea muscle and start getting ideas out. You and I are both people because I took this from you. You write down ten ideas every day, if I'm not mistaken. Is that where the number that you're yes. at? Can you yeah. talk about that for a moment? Cause I think it helps people understand how they can start getting in the flow of this, because I'll be real. The first time I read your book, like in the, the next day I started writing down an idea and I struggled like to write anything down that even made sense. And now it's an idea a practice. I look forward to every single morning and I, I find the idea not that they get better and better, but they get, they turn into real ideas. Like they're actually, I feel like I have something with all of them instead of initially being like uh, maybe a better this, you know, like now it's like very original, very strange. And when i I find that when I'm in front of people even now, like people are just talking about ideas, like everyone is always like, well, Alex, you're getting like really quick at coming with an idea out of nowhere. And it's because I truly believe it's a muscle that you have to flex, you have to grow and things like that. What, what are your thoughts on this? Can you talk about this point a little bit?
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, it's. I remember one time I had gone broke. I sold a business, made a lot of money, and I went totally broke. A lot of people know that story about me, so I won't repeat the whole thing, but I was super, super depressed. Like, of course, I was losing my home. I just was ashamed of myself and I couldn't get better. Like, it's not like medication's gonna cure that. And I just couldn't get better. I was depressed for a long time. And one day I started this practice of just writing 10 ideas a day. Like I wrote, and I uh, my first list was 10 ideas for books I can write. And it looked interesting and then the next day I wrote uh, an idea list. Okay, I like this one book idea. What would be the 10 chapters? And another day I wrote 10 businesses I could start. Another day I wrote 10 investing strategies I should learn about. And on and on and on. And, uh, you know, the idea muscle atrophies like any other muscle. So if you don't use it, it's going to disappear. Inspiration will not hit you. You have to hit inspiration. So this build writing 10 ideas a day down is a way for me to build my idea muscle and it worked and the reason I know it worked after like a few weeks maybe four or five weeks I felt like myself happy like you said I was looking forward every day to going out really early in the morning I woke up really early and I'd go out to the, the first cafe that would open up or breakfast place and I'd start writing these ideas out it doesn't take so long 20 or 30 minutes and uh and, you know, most ideas are bad. That's fine. You have fun with this. And and people ask me, do I keep track of the ideas? No, because tomorrow I'm going to have 10 more ideas. And But sometimes, maybe tomorrow, I'll be excited about one particular idea I wrote today. So I'll follow up on that. And I'll write a, an idea list about that. But I've been doing this now for, I guess, since about 2002. So almost 20 years, 19 years. And, A, it, like, cured my depression because I was so excited because I felt like, oh, there might be a future for me after all. These some of these ideas are okay and the ideas got better and better. And and like you say, like then it becomes a little easier. Then you have to make sure you're challenging yourself. So because again, and this is exercise. It's not the goal of writing 10 ideas a day down is not to have a good idea, but to exercise the idea muscle so that when you have ideas, they're better than otherwise. You can you could touch that inspirational flow. But I I started getting excited about some of the things I was writing down. And I would say writing those 10 ideas a day down has changed my life so much. Like for instance, I wanted to be a hedge fund manager. This is such a skip, great skip the line technique, by the way. So I, um, I won't go into the whole story of how I, you know, cause I failed at, at first couple of attempts, but, uh, I started sending other hedge fund managers that I would get their emails. I would start sending them, Hey, you're here's. 10 pieces of software I've written that I've been trading using this software. And here's my track record. And this sort of matches your style from the research I've done. You can have this software. You never need to contact me again. I'm sending this to you for free. If you want, I'll show your employees how to use the software, but it's pretty self-explanatory. Knock yourself out. And I sent that to 20 people. And I was sending them software that I'd spent like years writing. And I was just giving it to them for free. And they were big enough. They could have totally stolen my strategy and made it difficult for me. Um, but instead, two of the, or one of the hedge fund managers contacted me and sent me money to manage. And I started my hedge fund. And another guy, um, I said, I was, again, this is like in 2002, 2003. I was very interested in finance at the time. And I sent this other guy who was a a hedge fund manager, but also a big writer about finance. And I said, here's 10 articles I think you should write. Like I would subscribe to your service if you wrote any one of these articles, by the way, no need to contact me. These ideas are yours for free. And he wrote back like within seconds. And he said, man, these ideas are awesome. How about you write them? And so I started writing first is it was Jim Cramer I started writing for his website the the street.com I started going on CNBC then I started writing for the Financial Times, the Wall Street Journal, then I got book deals writing about finance those were my first books that I ever published and so those idealists changed my life. Now that was 20 years ago. What about recently? Well, in May, I think it was or yeah, around May, maybe a little later, I was listening to um this radio host, Charlemagne the God, uh, he's like an urban, uh, he has like 10 million listeners to the biggest biggest music show uh, in New York City, maybe the country. And I heard him interview Joe Biden, and Joe Biden had to go, and Charlemagne said, hey, but you know we have questions. And Joe Biden said, listen, if you ain't decided between Trump and me, then you ain't black. And so Joe Biden is saying this to someone who is clearly African-American, and, uh, you know, that was, he, he didn't need to use the word ain't, you know, anyway, Joe Biden apologized. He realized he, that was a mistake and it wasn't a big deal, but he apologized for it. But I wrote to Charlemagne and I said, man, when you said we have questions that felt to me like a rallying cry. So here's 10 ideas for chapters for questions. Uh, you, you could write a book around, like, is it true? What is systemic racism or is it true? uh black people commit more crimes than white people like all these naive questions that white people really don't know the answer to or many don't and i shouldn't stereotype but uh <laughs> it's a part of the problem but um uh and i said look just have these ideas and i you know you should write this and he he wrote back and he said oh my god this is great i, I want to write this but can you help me can you can you uh, can you do it with me And I'm like, no, 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 this is, I'm doing a bunch of things. This is for you. You should write this book. And and he wrote back and said, yeah, but can you help me a little, like flesh out some of the answers a little bit more, like with the research that you've done? And so I did that. And then just more and more, we were in dialogue and I was helping him. And now, again, about nine months later... I think we're number 7, we're the top-selling one of the top-selling audiobooks. Uh we did it as an audiobook only. We're one of the top-selling audiobooks on audible.com. One of the top I think the other day I saw we were number 7 for nonfiction on Very nice. Audible. Congratulations. Yeah, but that like that that just like came out of my mind and it became this huge thing. Like Audible is putting all their resources behind it. Like they tweet about it every day. It's on the front page of audible.com. It's called We've Got Answers and uh you know, Charlemagne and I became friends. I didn't really know them before. And you know, it's, it's that just came out of these idealists. It's not like inspiration hit me. It's like I was trained to do these. I had trained myself for a long time to do these idealists and send them out to people. Now, people always ask me, aren't you afraid someone's going to steal your ideas? And the answer is no, because I don't have a scarce. People do steal my ideas all the time. Not in this case, of course, but other cases. And I don't care. A, that's validation that, my, that I'm good at coming up with ideas. B, tomorrow I'm gonna come up with 10 more ideas. I have an abundance complex. When you're afraid someone's gonna steal your ideas, you have a scarcity complex. Like, oh my gosh, this is my one good idea I'm ever gonna have. I hope nobody steals it, I better protect it. That's that's never the case. Even when I'm starting a business, I tell people right from the beginning exactly what I'm doing. No one ever competes with me. Not because I'm so great, but because people have their own ideas. I um. Uh, um, uh, and when and again, when people do steal them, I know pretty quickly. And then I stop doing what I'm doing. If theirs is better. If theirs is not better, I, I ignore it. Hey, Alex Sanfilippo here.
0: And I want to take a quick moment to intentionally serve the world with you. Here's what I want you to do. Think of the one person you know who would most benefit from listening to this episode today. Now, I want you to send it to them, but also include an encouraging note explaining why you share this episode with them specifically. By doing this, you're helping me grow this podcast, and you're also adding value to the people you care about. With that said, thank you for your continued support. It means the world to me. And now let's get back to today's episode. There's this quote that I used to say, and a lot of people disagree with it, so I don't share it very much. There's a million ways to make a million dollars. And it's just a matter of coming up with your creative way of of bringing in income and, and going after it. And I think this what we're talking about here is so important. I actually had a guy named Josh Linkner on the podcast recently, and he was talking about a study that, that was done, I believe, it was by him and a group of people. Uh, they they pulled something like 1,000 kids when they're going into, into kindergarten and asked them if they're creative, and 98% of them said yes. And then they asked a different group of kids that were leaving high school and asked them, are you creative? And only 2% said yes. And that's a little bit about the system that we're in, right? Like it just, I guess you could say schooling in general kind of gets where that creativity. You have to just follow the way that the system works, right? And for yeah. us, it's up to us to reclaim that muscle once again, to really start flexing that again and start using it. Because naturally, just the way the world progresses, that's going to disappear. And It's up to us to decide, okay, I still want that. I want these ideas like James has because he's not the only, like, yeah, I'm not trying to discredit you at all James but you're not the only smart person out there that can have really good ideas it's a matter of someone of course, else who also yeah. has a different mind than you different experiences than you and if they can start doing the same idea with like the wheel and come up with the spokes theirs are going to be very different than yours and very different than mine and who knows what they might have there because of this
1: Yeah no I I agree and again though it's it's a matter of basically practicing all of these techniques in the book because okay how am I going to come up with like, take Elon Musk. Like, how am I going to come up with good ideas about how to make a rocket? Well, Elon Musk, you know, essentially did, like, the techniques and skipped the line to get good at, um, you know, the skill of ro- literally rocket science. He got in the top 1% at least. And then he uses, he has his own techniques for getting, you know, to be to monetizing something. Obviously, he's very good at that. And so that's how it happens. You have to build up these not only these you know not only get good at these techniques but build the skill but it's not that hard again identifying the techniques was sort of the hard part and then i put them in this book you know for instance this is a very simple one and i've written about this a bunch of times but it really is important in this book uh let's say you decide um like i have a friend who's from scratch uh wants to learn golf he's going to start next week and I I told him this one technique, so he's immediately gonna start doing it. It's plus minus equal. And uh, by the way, this technique was told to me by Frank Shamrock, who is 10 time world mixed martial arts champion. So mixed martial arts is what it says. It's a bunch of martial arts. So he had to always learn very quickly to be at the black belt level of every martial art. So he told me this technique, plus minus equal. You find a plus, someone to teach you or mentor you, or even be a virtual mentor, like watch YouTube videos. That works almost as well. Then you need equals, which are people to challenge you. Like if everyone you fight in martial arts is beating you up, you you won't be able to learn. You need equals who are roughly at your level and, you know, they're passionate about it and you challenge each other, but you also exchange ideas and you learn together. And then the most important, which is not as obvious, is the minus. You find someone to teach, which is you give lessons because then you have to focus on the fundamentals and really drill in the fundamentals to your student. That technique works extremely well. You wanna be a computer programmer? Find a great programmer to give you advice and mentoring or, or watch, you know, go to KO Academy and watch a bunch of videos. Um, find some equals, people who are also learning, like let's say crypto programming, and find minus, someone to teach. Because let's say you're learning how to program your own crypto. That's a very complicated topic. See how you can, ex- see if you could teach it to someone who doesn't know anything about crypto or programming. You will learn the skill very fast with that one idea. And in addition, of course, to the ideas, the other ideas in the book. So I'll give you a a personal example. It's not business related, although I could say, describe this about investing in other skills or programming. I was started off as a programmer. But uh, when I was a kid, I was a strong chess player. And by strong, I mean, I was a ranked chess master. I was. I grew up in New Jersey. I was new when I was 18. I was New Jersey's under 21 champion. I was one of the top chess players in my specific age group in the country. But if you don't do something for 30 years, you lose all the skills. It's not like riding a bike, unfortunately. When I played 30 years later, or however long it was, I was no good anymore. I was like how I was when I was just starting, and so. A few months ago, I decided, you know what? A- after the Queen's Gambit, chess got very popular. I got excited. And I said, you know what? I'm going to relearn chess. So not only will, be I, will I be as good as I was at my peak when I was studying every day and doing tournaments like every week, but I'm going to even get better than that. And now it's about three and a half months later. I First, I found my plus minus equal. Then I broke it down into the micro skills I need to learn. Then I started doing experiments. I did all the things that... um one that i just i decided to be very disciplined about only doing the techniques in the in my skip the line book and not getting into any bad habits like just playing mindlessly or playing too much speed chess or whatever and uh yeah now i'm probably a little better certainly my knowledge is better than it was at my peak and i'm probably about the same skill level as i was at my peak and now i'm aiming to to get even better so it's taken about three and a half months and you know i'm assuming by the end of the year i'll be much better than i ever was at my peak so that's how an example of me And i I wanted to test like to to do an experiment to see to make sure these are real legit techniques even though i knew they were i'd used them before but i was just i wanted to apply it to to chess and it's amazing how much i've learned in the past three and a half months that i that i never even knew before and here i was like a, a real master at the game That's incredible. I love
0: hearing that. And, you know, it brings me kind of like a question I want to get close to the end of this thing with. And I think a lot of people might assume by hearing you talk that you are just booming with self-confidence. And that's one of the reasons this happens. But you have a chapter in the books, chapter 16, and you say wobble without falling down. Can you talk about this a little bit? Because I think it's important to make sure people don't just assume that you are like walking with the utmost confidence everywhere you go and have zero fear in your life. I'd love to hear a little bit about that side of
1: you as well. I mean, I have failed so many times and everybody says this now. There's like failure porn out there. So I don't like to <laughs> right. use the word failure, yeah. but like I've gone, I've built businesses, sold them, made millions and then gone broke at least four or five times. Like I'm really like stupid at figuring out like there's three skills to money, making it, keeping it, growing it. And for a long time, I like you put that note in the book, by the way, it's like a yeah. note to self in there. I saw that was good. <laughs> Yeah, always remind myself I'm an idiot. I think that's the the note. But uh, uh, it's 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 been really hard, and I've lost I've lost two homes. I've had problems. All you know, with, I've lo- lost you know relationships and family, and because of this, it's been really uh, a a painful thing. I'm not confident at all. And and uh, you know, doing stand up comedy, you definitely get used to people not liking you or being a, a writer. Who writes sometimes controversial things? A lot of people dislike what I write, and and they and they let me. They're the ones who let me know what they think. So that's why I really appreciate you saying you like the book. Because usually the people who feel passionate about contacting me hate me with with so much fervor. They need to let me know it. Right. And um, uh, so I'm actually, and it's why I really focus on how do I learn things because I really don't have a lot of confidence. And so these techniques I can if I now that I know. Or I always knew that they work, but now that I really I really rely on them to, to help me when I'm trying to learn something. I never assume I have natural talent at, at anything, and I think that's that's really important. You know, you, you always start at zero with with everything, and sometimes you end up at zero again, and so you have to bounce back. And so, yeah, I, um, I, yeah, you know, I I think I think that's you know I'm, I I'm not really the I wish I, well, I I don't wish I had more confidence. I I think sometimes people have too much confidence and that leads to kind of maybe bad business ideas without enough validation, for instance, yeah, or someone thinking like they're the greatest writer when actually all their friends are afraid to tell them, you know, you kind of (laughs) suck and stuff like that. Yeah,
0: no, it's a good, it's a good point. I'm glad that you talked about that. I wanted to make sure that the, the listeners got to hear that side of you as well. Um, just that it wasn't an, uh, an assumption that you you were something that you're not, right? Like, I think that's really important. And it's it's good motivation for other people as well that maybe are scared to step out into something new. Like the first time I stepped in front of a mic to to do a podcast episode, I, I'm pretty sure I was sweating. Uh, just sitting oh, man. there like so I scared. I was so scared. Yeah. And uh, it's one of those things that, that I knew that I had the talent to do it. Uh, or at least I had grown that talent, if you will. And it was something that I really was feeling like I, I needed to do. I really wanted to. So I just stepped out in that faith and just went for it.
1: Yeah, it's really, uh it's really painful a lot of times. Like well, again, getting good at something that's worth getting good at is is painful, is hard to do. Like that's the thing. And if you're like, oh, I could learn this, no problem, then that's kind of an idiot talking. Like you have to have respect if you if you're passionate about something that's that's worth learning. You have to respect it. And uh, that's why these aren't shortcuts. It's, the t- book is titled Skip the Line, but that's because you can skip the line using these techniques. But it's not about shortcuts. I have about a, another hundred questions I'd love to ask you, but obviously
0: for sake of time, for for your time and the time of the listeners as well, we got to bring this thing to an end. But before we end, I want to ask, do you have any final thoughts on this topic of skipping the line?
1: Well, you know, I think of like new stuff every day that I wish... I can add to the book now. Maybe I'll even write like some kind of follow-up. But um you know, really really a, a recent one is this always focusing on being the only instead of being better. Uh that that was an important not necessarily new insight, but an important insight about skipping the line. And I think about this as I'm about to launch, you know, a new business. It's like if I write a a thriller, uh let's say I write a, a I'm going to write a book about a a young boy who's abused at home and lives in a closet, and then suddenly a wizard picks him up and takes him to a wizarding school because it turns out he might be the greatest wizard of his generation. Let's say I have that idea for a book, you know, completely original idea, it's all mine, and I write it. And let's say it's better than the the f- far worse series ha- called Harry Potter. Let's say my book is the is the best in that genre of little boys who realize they're gonna be great wizards. Uh, it doesn't matter because Harry Potter is, is is people would rather read Harry Potter. Well, there, there's been plenty of series, by the way, where with that exact plot line, Harry Potter was maybe the third that I know of, and there's probably more. I mean, right before Harry Potter was written, Neil Gaiman wrote a graphic novel or a series of comics called The Books of Magic, about a character that even looked exactly like Harry Potter and uh, no one knows about it. So, but well, how did JK Rowling, was she the best? No, probably Neil Gaiman's was the best, but uh, she's a billionaire from all the copies of her books and the movies and so on. So what was so special about her? Well, it was very, her story herself was very inspirational. She was um, a divorced woman, you know, living on welfare with a kid. Uh, you know, she needed, it was a very sympathetic story. Like you, you, How can, how can she help herself? How can she make a living for her and her kid and get off welfare and and all this? And she wrote this book and, and that's her story around the book helped propel the book into its mega success because so many people were inspired by her story. And so that's an example of you might have the better project or book or idea or skill set. Doesn't matter if you're not also the only, and the only kind of adds to your story. Love it, man. Thanks so much for being
0: here. I know the audience is really going to pull a lot from this, so I really appreciate you, James. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Alex. James has quickly become one of my favorite entrepreneurs to follow. Not only is he brilliant, but he has some of the most unique stories that he shares, not only in this episode and on the last one, but also in his book and on his blog and his podcast. I want to encourage you to begin putting what James talked about in this episode into practice in your own life. I know that you'll begin seeing results almost immediately if you do this. James, thank you for being a back-to-back guest on the Creating a Brand podcast and sharing your vast experience with us today. To pick up a copy of James Altucher's book, Skip the Line, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 099. Thank you, as always, for listening. I'm looking forward to bringing you another Masterclass episode next week.